Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's good, what's good, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the ReChurch Podcast. Your boy, Tyler Armstrong, is here with the one and only Thomas Winborn. What's up, man? What's what you up, doing? man? How's it going? Dude, it's going, bro. It's, it's Monday, you know, yeah. following, following service. And I think everybody's dealing with, like, allergies right now. So everybody yes. sounds off. Everybody's yeah, got man. a little something going on. They're tingling in their throat. It's making everybody freak out. Yeah, man. And on top of that, like, <laughs> I was about to say that. It's like... Rona, is that you? Yeah. <laughs> is that you? And that's not a laughing matter, but I mean, everybody's like, oh, oh man, my throat's tingling. Yeah. Should I stay home for two weeks? Yeah. My, you know? my my son's had a cough for about two weeks. And I mean, he always gets this cough, like around this time of year. It just it just, it just gets this cough. He's got it for the last two years of his existence. And so it's really funny because like we didn't bring him to church yesterday because we didn't want to freak people out. Yeah. <laughs> Because I mean, I mean, I mean, kids cough, right? But like, we were, we were like, gosh, yeah. we don't want to like bring him, and then it turned out to be, you know. Yeah, but everybody's sniffling and stuffed up and got a scratchy yeah, throat right yeah, now. Yeah, man, I didn't want to. People would freak yeah, out, yeah, bro. Yeah. You know I mean, how it goes. And so, I mean, I love people, but I just didn't want to like, you know, be a hindrance to worship. People, people probably appreciate that. Oh yeah, hundred percent, man. Yeah. I hope they do. And so, all right, man. Well, let's dive into the questions for today. Um, who have you been worshiping with? Yeah. So my wife put me on to a new uh, song from Sovereign Grace. Sovereign Grace is a, um, it's a, it's not really a band per se. It's a yeah. lot of different people, and they've uh, they do these worship gatherings and they write music. And um, the song they did is, and you listen carefully. The song title is "O Come All Ye Unfaithful." Mm. Okay, and so it's like a Christmas song that it's been redone. It doesn't just it feels like the song, but it's different, and the message is different, and it's really good. "O Come All Ye Unfaithful," really yeah. good stuff. Uh, I loved it. Uh, Carol shared it on Facebook, I think, yeah. and uh, yeah. I was like. That's a really interesting title, and so really biblical sound, and I mean, it's just... I love even the, the video that, that yeah. it's attached to it. It's got all these people that are, like, listening to the song, and almost feels like for the first time, Yeah, and you see their emotional reactions, these believers, as they watch. It's really cool. It's man. really neat. Yeah. And so, for me, I've been listening to um, a song. It's it's actually from Hillsong United, um, but Shane and Shane... Watch out, man. Yeah, dude, I'm sorry. Uh, Shane and Shane <laughs> have... Uh, did, did you see the other night during the debate when their intern forgot to log out of their Twitter account? And like, I didn't know. see the debate. Oh, no. Well, I'm not talking about the debate. Like, they had an intern that was running all their social media accounts, and he meant to post it on his personal account. Oh, and no. he tweeted from the Hillsong account and was liking all these like anti-Trump tweets yeah, and all these things. Yeah, I saw dude, that. it was. Yeah, man. That, uh, I found out that dude still has a job. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm apparently in a Facebook group with a guy who is like big in Hillsong. He's yeah. like, yeah, that guy still has a job. We just, you know, reprimanded him. And that's but what should happen. It man. happens. But yeah. gosh, how funny is that? Like, you've got to quit reacting in the world around us to like fire people when they make a mistake. Oh, dude, outrage culture, man. Yeah, dude. It reigns supreme. Uh, but anyway, so for me, I've been worshiping uh, the song. Um, it's called Another in the Fire. Um, it's based on um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Menigo, like, you yeah. know, kind of like, but um, it's really talking about that there's another in the fire standing there with us, you yeah, know, kind of sure. in the midst of all this persecution, all these things that are going on and the trials, tribulations of life, there's another in the fire with us. Yeah. And so really encouraging song. I would highly encourage everyone to listen to it. Tell me then, what's a, what's a book you've been reading? <sighs> Man, so I told this somebody last night, like um, somebody asked me, you know, what's like, who have I been reading? Everything's been seminary related, man. Yeah. Uh, but I but re- that means it's church related. Yeah, it's church related. And so it's been good. But, you know, I'm ready to read stuff I want to read. And, yeah. yeah, just being real. But that's like my sad 
reader moment. Like, <laughs> I miss everybody reading. feel feel guilty or not feel yeah. feel bad for for Tyler. I miss reading books that I want to read, not books I feel a force to read. But, but anyway, this book you're reading are helpful though. Yeah, they're great, man. They're really good. Some of them I'm like, yeah, but some of them I'm like, they're sure. really good. But anyway, Reclaiming Glory by Mark Clifton. Um, it's about revitalizing dead churches. Um, if you're wondering what revitalization is, essentially it's just taking a church that is in decline or is already essentially spiritually dead and they're just kind of plateaued. Yeah. Even plateaued and then taking it and pushing it to the next level and bringing back life through gospel ministry. And so, um, really good book. If you're interested in those kind of things, um, it's actually a NAM resource that that they give to replanters and to all these, uh, different people and pastors. And so I was very encouraged by that read. What about you, brother? Good. Uh, I just finished reading a book uh, that I've had on my my shelf for a long time. It's called Effective Staffing for Vital Churches. Uh, the subtitle says The Essential Guide to Finding and Keeping the Right People. Yeah. Um, and I'm always trying to be a, become a better leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that wrote this is Bill Eason. He wrote it with a guy named Bill Britton, Tinny Britton. And um, Bill Eason is kind of known as like being a coach that's very kind of in your face and direct, very pragmatic. Mm-hmm. So you either like him or you don't. And I don't agree with everything in this book for sure, but... Um, it's really good, man. It's a very boots on the ground, uh, structure, infrastructure. Here's why you should do this, why you should do that. He, he talks about a lot of things that you and I have even debated on as we've talked yeah. and I've worked through the book. But uh, it's a really a fast read. But I do think that a lot of guys could take this and take the general premise of how to staff a church yeah. uh, based on the size of the church you're in. And if you would just do that and the church would embrace it, uh, most churches would have a positive outcome. For sure. So it's a, it's a really good read. I think everybody that's in church leadership uh, that has to deal with staff should read the book, especially lead guys and other staff people. Um, and, and, you know, but I think it's a really good book. Everybody should check it out if you're in that position for sure. I love it. You'll be pretty bored if you're not a yeah. leadership of a church. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not like it's not just a pick it up and grab it book. It's more of like if that's something that you're interested in, something you want to pursue. Yeah. And, and so, I, let me say this too. I think a lot of guys will read stuff like this if they're leaders in other organizations or, or uh, career fields, but I wouldn't think this would be very helpful for you. Church is such a different camp compared to a lot of other places because of the nature of the, yeah. of the work. But uh, yeah, good book. What about, you, what about you for this though? Yeah. I want us to talk about some things today. Like what are the things that we can think of that will help people? We've been talking about spiritually. So tell me what's one spiritual practice that you have really embraced in, yeah, man. In, in the last year. Yeah, for me, um, and when we say spiritual practice, that's a that's that's kind of the way that we say spiritual discipline, if you're using the more traditional term, but practice, is not, in, in all honesty, is the more traditional term, just discipline's the Baptist word for it. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's been silence and solitude, you know? Uh, taking those moments just to withdraw into silence and just kind of just sit in the presence of God yeah. and just be there, you know? Sure. Um at first, it was kind of hard, you know, like silence is very hard in a culture that screams at you 24-7. I mean, literally, um, I was listening to uh, Edward Snowden talk, who was the guy, you know, that got caught by the government, you know, right, that right. They ran, ran off to blew Moscow. Yeah, 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 blew a whistle on the government. Um, but I was listening to him talking, he's talking about like how our phones are literally, even when we're asleep, we're screaming 24-7, our data up into the sky, you know, just everything about us. And so, as horrifying of a thought that is, the most rebellious thing that we can do is silence and solitude. And yeah. that just means just turning off technology, being by yourself. And so, I mean, at, at first, man, like, I mean, I'm just going to be really, like, 30 seconds to a minute was really hard to do. Uh, but now, I mean, it's just something that, it's just a part of my life now, you know, especially late at night. I'm just kind of yeah. just, it's just me awake. My wife is asleep and I should be working on school, but there's just times where I just go, you know what, I'm going to sit here for 45 minutes, an hour, just kind of sit here. 
sometimes I'll read the word with it. Sometimes I just sit and uh, just focus on the goodness of God and those things. And it's been very good for me, um, very yeah. good for my heart because um, in all honesty, that's kind of my upstream practice. You know, like we talked about this downstream upstream practices uh, from what's that? Enneagram in the way of Jesus. Yeah. Um, that is the one that's the hardest for me because I am not a silent guy. I'm not, I, I need, I need noise. What? Yeah, dude. I need noise. I need, I need constant, you know, I need, and honestly, I love chaos. Like I love them. I love the embracing of all those things going on around me. I love uncertainty. Yeah. I love those things. Like they don't bother me, but sound solitude is my rebellion against that. It's my, it's really my rebellion against the world. And so yeah. I would encourage anybody, if you want to dive into it, um, there's a book, what, Ruth, um, what's her name? Uh, Gosh, I'll find it and I'll I'll have to like I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll if yeah, you right. want it hit me Ruth up. Ruth Haley Barton. There you go. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. They have a really good book on um on the practice of silence of solitude. And so, hold on yeah. a second. I think it's yeah, it is them, right? Yeah, yeah. She she does one I think, and she's got a couple on silence of solitude, mm-hmm. and that that's the one you're talking about. I think that you read. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And so, um, once again, not inside of my theological camp. Yeah, sure. Um, makes me very uncomfortable, but the people that have the best grow, stuff baby. coming out about spiritual practices are often not in the Baptist world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and so I mean, and even not really in you know just the theological camp that I typically yeah, pitch my tent in. Sure. But at the same time, that the way you grow is going out of that. So, Thomas, what about you, brother? I just kind of went for a while on that one. No, that's right. So, um, it was good, man. Uh, the I, I really, I mean, it's not something new for me, but I've been leaning into fasting. Uh, and, and that really helps me focus on the Lord and focus on the presence of God in my life and the moments in which I'm walking. And so I don't do it like religiously, like every week on this day for this long, but, um, I used to always fast and I have always fasted and seeking like direction from the Lord. Yeah. But, uh, now I'm trying to fast for focus on God's presence and be reminded of his presence and walk in that presence with him in, in conversation and in relationship. And, uh, it's really good. So I'll, I'll go like a day. 24 hour period or at least like miss like all the way up until like late dinner or something yeah. like that. And, uh, just drink water. And I try to drink water to stay pretty healthy and hydrated in that sense. But, um, it's been really good, man. Yeah. And, uh, I think that we see that all throughout scripture, uh, about people fasting for certain things. And, uh, I think that it helps to bring clarity to the mind and brings clarity in your, in your relationships, uh, especially as you're pursuing the Lord throughout the day. Yeah. So. Um, and, and what's mind blowing about fasting is like when you read, like go back in church history, like the Didache, like, you know, which was like the earliest Christian writing that we know of. Sure. I mean, 80, 90 AD is the earliest speculation really I mean, really realistically probably a hundred AD, but, um, it talks about that. They actually had two fast days a week that the church fasted together two days a week. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that so many people see that as so unrealistic in today's culture because we're so gluttonous and, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? I mean, like sure. just as a culture, we're just constantly consuming all things. Um, but I mean like fasting from food two days a week. Um, I think it was like Tuesdays and Fridays was the day they yeah. fasted. And so uh, there's a church that um, there's so many different yeah. kinds of fast too. Yeah, right? there really is. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 And, and I mean, I mean, I just, I love the idea of a corporate fast, you know, together. And, um, it was really good for our church in January. Yeah. We did that. Yeah. It was known we'd be entering in COVID mm-hmm. after that, but Man, it was I mean, really, really good. For I think church. it sharpened us. You yes. know, I think it got us ready for that season. Yep. And so it was phenomenal. It was really good. feels like two years ago. Oh, dude. It, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, I feel like this year has been the longest decade of my life. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean like so much stuff has happened. I mean like shoot. I mean, January, man, like 
World War Three almost broke out. We don't even yeah. think about that, really. I know, man. And, and so everything, it, it's like every this will be a defining season for everybody and for governments and yeah, nations and yeah. people and you yeah. know, and just and just and just to kind of jump off, just go, go off sidetrack a little bit. I was listening to um, I was listening to T.J. Timms, who's the pastor who placed Ray Orland at yeah. Emmanuel Church. Of course, you were. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, yeah. uh, but T.J. He's was got talk- a man crush on Ray Orland. Yeah. If you didn't know, <laughs> I love Ray Orland. Um, Ray, if you're listening to this, I love you. Um, anyway, so um, but no. T.J. Timms was talking about like how like he's so tired of the 2020 like everybody bemoaning 2020. Yeah, and he said like he, they're, they're doing this series right now on uh, gospel culture, and he said, "Man, like the Bible calls us to rejoice. Yeah, like rejoice in the Lord." And so, man, I was like, "Man, like I dig that. Like you know, I'm tired of like bemoaning 2020. I'm just gonna rejoice in the Lord and just like just like really. It, I mean, it was it was like splashing cold water on my face. Like yeah. you know, what I'm saying. I mean, it's it was good. just it was so good. So. Go look that sermon up, y'all. I would encourage you. Yeah, so anyway, that's that. Honest with you, too, I, before, you, before we move back, yeah, I, I have a hard time feeling negative about stuff that's yeah. going on in the world around us because it's always negative, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's you, never if been you watch good. the news, if you read Facebook, which I refuse to do, yeah. um, not the news. I mean, I check the news out, but if you if you get on Twitter feeds all the time, all you see is negative. Yeah. And so that's just the Lord is still sovereign. The mm-hmm. Lord is still the king. The, the kingdom is still breaking open. I mean, there people are coming to faith. People will, will people will rush hell with water pistols, basically. You know, I mean, yeah. they're, they're going to do that because the kingdom is strong and, and God will not fail. 100%, man. And so why would we be down? I yeah, can dude. say when I look at something negative and go, well, it's 2020. What, what do we expect is a crazy year. Why would it not be crazier in this yeah. area? But at the end of the day, like, it's an exciting time, man. I think God is – think of the people you know that are super people already for, like, being – what you think of as being like super Christians. They're not falling off the wagon. No. What about people that weren't super Christians, right? What about people that – they're just the normal, average, everyday Joe. I've seen people yearning to get more real with yeah. the Lord and to, like, walk with him. 100%, man. And so I think this season is good for the church. Yeah. I don't like that we're just losing people through COVID or that we are seeing a falling off of certain folks – but I think this season is good for our church. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it, it's always. I mean, we we always used to say in the church world that the, the American church need to be pruned, right? Yeah, that like, like through persecution, they think. Yeah, but 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 man, this is this is the pruning, right? I mean, God's um, proven he's got multiple ways yeah, to prune. Churches. I heard a guy say yesterday. He said, um, he said, because I've always said that you know it threw us ten to fifteen years into the future. You know, like in a lot of ways, like the church landscape, church culture, and uh, he said, really, it was like gasoline on a fire. <laughs> yeah and then and, and that's really what it was i mean i mean the fire was burning we saw yeah. it burning this just sped up the burning process so anyway a uh, last question <laughs> this is a good question from thomas thomas came up with this one what's one dream you have for 12th street yeah so um that's a hard question even though i came up with it because i've got multiple dreams yeah, for man. 12th street that i feel like are you know not dreams like per se from the lord but like i feel vision from the yeah. lord about where we should go but I think one of the greatest and most impactful for our faith family is that is that we would see men and women who become more devoted to the Lord in their relationship with him and develop into what I call Jesus bleeding people. Yeah. Um, my hope would be that we never have to look outside of this church to bring somebody into ministry in this church again. That everybody that comes 
on staff or everybody that takes over a ministry, it's all from within. Yeah. Uh, because we have people that are growing in their faith and we have people who are discipling other people. But that means to do that, you've got to be willing to spend in the time and investment and uh, to walk with the Lord yourself in such a way that if somebody cut you, you'd bleed Jesus. Yeah, that when you're sure. around them, you can tell somebody is that because when they speak, Jesus comes off their lips and it's not in an arrogant or condescending way. And when they speak, scripture comes off their lips. Like you can just tell that they live in it. Yeah. And, and that's, I want to be that that more and more and i want to see that here and that's my goal if we see that leadership development process move forward to develop people like that yeah i think that we will see this church become a force to be reckoned with in our community and in the world because no other churches are really doing that man let's be honest yeah and and it's that's that's the command yeah make disciples go make disciples you don't see search committees in the bible i mean like i mean i'm just being real i mean you you don't see those things i mean while those are good processes that we use and that we use to discern god's will biblically speaking there's no such thing as a church as a search committee what happened was was having an elder pastor whatever word you want to use makes you more comfortable you know rolled off Another one stepped in yeah. or, or, I mean, it really was a team of, it was yeah. a team of elders. It wasn't just a solo elder. There was, yeah. and I mean, when Paul, I mean, I tell everyone, when you want to read a, a passage about what elder ministry looks like, Acts 20, yeah, dude. when Paul leaves Ephesus yeah. for the yeah. last time, he stops in Ephesus to see his brothers one last time. He says, listen, I'll never see your face again. Yeah. And they're continually building people and yeah. leaders because they're making disciples. Exactly. And when you're doing that, you'll never be without leaders. Yep. And that's the only effective way to multiply the ministry, which is the only effective way to expand the kingdom. Addition will never work and nope. keep up. It has to be multiplication. It has to be multiplication. Cell, div- cell division, man. That's how the body grows. It takes longer to get started, but on the, the back end, it's way more effective. I mean, you know the old adage, if you take, if you take a penny and you add a penny to it every day, versus for 30 days or mm-hmm. if you take you have 30 pennies at the end or you take a penny and you double that at first i mean I, i'd take it i'd take it would you rather have a dollar over the next six months every day or would you rather double a penny every day start with a penny and double the number every day for the next six months yeah it's ridiculous take man. The penny, the man. numbers are crazy take the penny you know, bro multiplication every day mm-hmm. every that's day. how it works so for me um Y'all, I love this church like i mean i, I i've told thomas that numerous times i love this faith family it's just um it's just so dear to my heart. I want to see us really become a church that is centered on the lost. You know, I mean, yes. that's just a dream of mine. Yes. Um, and, 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 and I say that knowing that we do have a heart for the lost, but so many times, and just going to be real, just, just be so real, a lot of our church growth comes from people who are upset with their other church. Yep. You know, like, and, and, and that's once again, that's not the most biblical model of church growth. You don't see people getting mad at First Baptist Jerusalem and heading over to First Baptist Antioch, right? Yeah. You don't see that. What we see is this kingdom-mindedness and people not seeking this consumeristic mindset that is so bled into America. No, they're seeking the lost, you know? And so that's... I just want to see evangelistic fervor. Um, yeah, I had to write a paper about... Urg- like, urgency. Yeah, urgency, man. Gospel urgency. I mean, I mean man... I heard uh, Jarman Leatherwood, you know, who's you know pastor in Huntsville, um, now yeah. working at our local association. I love Jarman to death. He said, "Man, th- th- he said every two seconds somebody's dying." Yeah, man. Every two seconds. And like, I mean, and 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 the thing is, is we can hear those things, and oh my gosh, every two seconds somebody's dying. But until that seeps into your heart, there's not going to be that life change. So that's that's a dream, man. I, I want to see us become a church that is for the lost, seeks out the lost. 
and then sees the lost and the dead come to life in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And 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 we've seen that. Like 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 we've seen it, but not at the magnitude that I think that we have the potential for. Well, and you mentioned Jerusalem, right? I mean, yeah. and, and you're the you're the church historian in this yeah. room right now, right? But what do we see happen in the early church? Do we want to be a Jerusalem church or an Antioch church? Yeah, man, go Antioch. You know, maybe. Antioch all the way because yeah. they were focused on the kingdom growth, reaching the kingdom, discipling, making disciples, and Jerusalem was focused on self. Yeah. And Jerusalem did not exist very long. Yeah. The Jerusalem church. Even yeah. Though that's where all the apostles were in the beginning. Yeah. The Jerusalem church did not last. And then they long. spread out because, I mean. And they went they, out for they, the kingdom. They had to, you know. Yeah. And yeah. that's just it, man. And so. I just I just pray and, and and I don't think that 12th Street is as inward focused as it no. was when I first got here six sure. years ago almost six years yeah. ago, uh, but man like we got a ways to go and that's a dream man I want to see us always improving yeah. there's always a need to get healthier mm-hmm. than what you are yeah I saw a, a quote one time it says uh churches does not exist to be a museum for good people it should be a hospital for the broken yes and man that's 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 what I, I want to say be, needs man. to be a mash yeah it needs dude. to be a mash tent for the broken where all the people there are going out to get the wounded yep and bringing them in to grow them up and then send them back out and that's that's the problem is we've we've lived in a land where everybody came yeah not just this church but everybody came to us and now they're not doing it and uh we're watching the world get bigger and greater lost in yeah. number and dying you know so that's good man that's well good man dreams. let's um let's talk about today's topic after the sermon yesterday uh, you preached on abortion and eugenics, um, which I mean, you didn't really touch on eugenics and like the like barely, barely I mean, I talked about the yeah. fact that I talked about the fact that many countries are trying to get rid of like Down syndrome children yeah, because man. they're leading people to do prenatal testing yeah. to then determine if they have that looks like a child that could have Downs and then they're aborting those children, yeah. murdering those children, and so um, that is eugenics. Yeah, I saw this article the other day and um, it was from BuzzFeed of all places, you know, freaking liberal news news yeah. outlet. Very, very millennial Gen Z news outlet anyway. Um, but they found out that uh, they, f- they found all these like anti-black, like anti-blackness is the word they used inside Planned Parenthood documents about how like black workers and, and all Margaret those things. Margaret Sanger. Well, and and, yeah. and th- th- I was like, um, it's been that way since the beginning because yeah. like your founder <laughs> was one of the most anti-black people. I mean, and, and, yeah. and now Thomas mentioned Margaret Sanger yesterday, but y'all like dive deep into, I mean, dive deep into that woman's ideology. Yeah. Do you know who really liked her? Adolf Hitler. The Ku Klux Klan embraced her. Uh, uh, she uh, spoke at Ku Klux Klan gatherings uh, and encouraged them to follow her. In Adolf Hitler. Yes. Adolf Hitler. She talked about how great he did what he did and how we should model that. All right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, like, uh, there, there's an agenda, y'all. Like, there's an agenda. And and so, I mean, like, we didn't touch on eugenics yesterday, but I mean, I just wanted to bring that up, like, right off yeah, the gate. Yeah, yeah. Look this woman up. And, and anytime somebody's pro-abortion, I say, listen, you, you're trying to be woke. Like, I get it. All right? <laughs> Your founder wasn't that woke. Like, I mean, in fact, oh, she was evil. And we're not I talking mean, about, we're not talking about somebody that was, like, 300 years ago. Yeah. D- 20s, you know what I'm saying? Like 1920s, yeah, 1930s. We're talking about somebody that was on the cutting edge of forward thinking in all the wrong ways. Like our great grandparents were alive and knew that she was on the bad side of things. Yeah, you know, but thought she was supreme. Social Darwinism, like in its yes. finest, man. Yeah. And so, anyway, I just wanted to just hit that out the out the forefront, man, because yeah. evil woman. Anyway, so let's talk about abortion just really quick. What we noticed yesterday, and I think Thomas and I both noticed this, was that. A lot of our people were very highly impacted by the sermon. 
But then at the same time, I think a lot of our people don't realize the magnitude of what abortion is in the United States of America. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I think that people. Th- I think that people think, man, that happens over there. Right. But in all reality, I w- you would be shocked at the people that you know yeah. that have had an abortion. Yeah, I mean, I had I had one um, I had one friend who basically said, um, "Hey, I've I've never known anybody personally, aside from speaking to me, aside from me, that." Um, basically was had been impacted by abortion in that way they had done and had an abortion or been impacted in that way and i and i i said lovingly to that brother said you just don't know the people you know because they're the the statistics say that by the in in the lifetime one in four women will have an abortion (coughs) uh and that you know, 59% of those are people that have already had children. And so uh, we just don't know it because if they talked about it, they would be ostracized in most churches and the enemy has in their ear that if they talk about it, they're going to be hated. They're going to be seen as like this horrible person. They're going to, nobody's going to love them. Yeah. And so it is a hush, hush thing. I mean, it's, it's, I would say that people are more open about their use of pornography and sexual addiction than they are about abortion yeah, man. in the evangelical world. Hundred percent. I mean, it, and on top of that, man. I mean, because like, I mean, <clears throat> though I love the pro life movement, like I love the pro life movement. I'm very much pro life, um, and 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 it's crazy how much fiercely more pro life I got when I saw my baby sonogram. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like you know what I'm saying? Like like it seeing that baby everything. at 12 weeks old, kicking, moving, and that's most of the time when most abortions happen. Like, come on now. Yeah. Like, come on. That's there, there, there. There's a level of evil there. But the fact that we label, you know, you're a baby killer, you're, you know, and, 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 and that's like, that's the words that you hear. Well, I <sighs> used the hard words yesterday. Yeah. But the reason I use words like murder instead of abortion is because we need to hear it as the church. Well, as the church. But what I'm saying is like speaking to someone who's affected. To right. And that's why people feel so ostracized by it, because yeah. what happens is, is we label them as a baby murderer or yeah. a or a baby killer, even, which is like so much more sinister sounding, in my opinion. Sure. When in all reality, I would be willing to bet. A lot of the people that we know that have experienced it were manipulated into it in a lot of ways. And now some people even then, though, because the people I know that, that have been involved in it, because I know a handful of girls that have went through this, they were manipulated. They were told that it wasn't a life. They were told that, you know, and, and, and manipulated by the pro-choice movement. Yeah. And now when they look back, they go, I can't believe I did that. Like, you know, and, and, and so yeah. I think there's a manipulation factor, especially in the younger women. But now even then, though, like... I'm telling y'all, like the pro-choice movement. Some of the stuff I see on social media, social media, like I saw this thing the other day. Um, I mean, it, it it blew my mind. Like it was it was a meme of a woman throwing a baby, and she said, "How I'm gonna be?" And it was like the tweet said, "How I'm gonna be if I get pregnant tonight?" And you're like, "Hold up, you consciously are acknowledging." Yeah. And so. Let's ask these questions, though, just to move forward. How can we, as, like, the church, like, care for those affected? Like, how can we move forward in yeah, that's, this? That's the big thing, right? There's two pieces mm-hmm. where the church and the individual needs to be focused on becoming an advocate for life of these children. Yes. And it mm-hmm. needs to become an advocate for caring for the people that make these choices mm-hmm. to have abortions. And for those even who are the ones performing abortions. Yeah. And, um... That's really hard for people to think through and say that are passionate about this. But the, 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 the starting point, I think, is becoming verbal about abortion and doing so in a way that's not condescending, 
or judging people in the sense of bringing judgment. Let God bring the judgment to them. We need to bring that and say, like, yes, it's wrong. You should not go do that. But we love you, and we're going to care for you because of what you've done. We still love you. Yeah. You know, that doesn't 100%. change. And I think that showing people we love them is different than saying it out loud just in a group context. Yeah. Um, we need to create a confessional community in our in our community groups to communicate to people that it's okay to share your struggles. You don't have to walk alone because the enemy is in their ear telling them, you better not say that. Yeah. You better not talk about that. They will hate you. They will want you out. They will never look at you the same. And that's with any sin pretty mm-hmm. much. But as soon as somebody voices it and they see grace and mercy, uh, it will open the door for more grace and mercy. And we can become that mass unit. We can become that hospital for the yeah. traumatized to lead them to hope in, in the only hope that is sure, which is Jesus. 100%, man. And, and and I even think that, like, in that becoming an advocate, I think that one of the biggest things the church can do is two things. One, be pro-life, but not just in your politics. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, actively be pro-life. Like, there are ways that you can be an advocate even in our city. Like, I mean, we have the Edwards County uh, Pregnancy Testing Center that we actually were fostering a, a partnership with pre-COVID, you know, and then right. that kind of ha- halted a lot of that. But at the same time... We're still, on, we're still on the trajectory. Yeah, 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 yeah we're still on the trajectory. Yeah. Like, that, that relationship has been built. It's there. Um, and now, like, in the future, like, I, I expect way more ministry to come out of our church to that ministry. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I think that so many times we get so trapped into being pro-life because politics, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and it's sure. turned into a political battle when... Like I love how Thomas said, "You say fight." I mean, I mean, like this is a this this is not a political issue. This is a moral crisis in our country yes. that we in the allow wor- in the world. Yeah, in, in the world that we allow for the murder of children. Yeah, babies in the womb. I mean, um, the most hostile place to be in the world is the mother's womb now, and that's insane. We go know? back and we read stories in the Old Testament where, like, uh, you know, um, babies are being destroyed trying to find one kid yeah right and trying to find jesus um and and we 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 see that and we think gosh that's horrible i can't believe that happened but we would never see that in our lifetime and we're seeing a worse atrocity every year in this nation than they've ever seen it's just more medical it's just it's it's just it's just it's just more medical and it's approved i mean it's it's crazy like you know we look back at like uh the the movie 300 there's that scene where they throw the you know that they they throw a baby like I mean, throw, they, the Spartans would throw babies that were seen unfit yeah. off the rock, and that baby survived. They're like, oh well, then it was you know that the will of the gods. Yeah. And we're like, oh my gosh, how barbaric! But then we do the same exact thing. We just don't it's, see it with our eyes because it's it's inside, and somebody's using a vacuum. We do it in the womb, man. Yeah, we rip babies apart in the womb. Yeah. And I think the other thing is this too. And I think that we need to not just be pro birth. Yes. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. We need to be pro-life from the baby's birth all the way up to supporting that child through well, from it. From conception. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the yeah, way yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, from conception all the way up. It, it encompasses neglect. It yeah. encompasses abuse. It encompasses everything. We should fight for all those things. I mean, we should fight for foster children. Yeah. We should fight for uh, rape victims who got pregnant, which is a very, I mean, that's a very mild. Uh, um, it's usually, I think it's less than 1%. Yes, yeah, less than 1%, but it happens. Yeah. And so we need to care for those. Yeah. We need to uh, care for those who have unwanted children, you know, and then not, and then care for those children and help those children get into a, you know, to see Jesus, to grow with Jesus. And so like, well, part of the way we do that yeah. is through the the foster and, and adoption ministries that we've been building up with yeah, Lifeline, sure. you yeah. know. Um, 
one of the stats I saw about this this idea that these countries are purposely in our country that people are getting tested when the prenatal testing and finding out that they may have a child with down syndrome and they're having an abortion because they don't want to bring that child in the world because they'll suffer right um but there is a long long list of couples and families that won't they're waiting to adopt specifically a down syndrome child yeah and so we're what you're doing is you're 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 killing someone who would be cared for by somebody else if you don't want that child yeah man you know, and that happened. There, there's you, you contact any adoption agency. There is a long list of people wanting to adopt a newborn. Yeah. They will, will never have a problem adopting man. kids. So it's, it's, it's just an issue that people don't want to back it up. People don't, people in the church, we need to become a place where you're welcome here and we can give you hope. Even if you have committed the, the, the atrocity I call it. If you've, if you've done this horrible thing of having an abortion, yeah, we love you, and we want to give you Jesus. We want to love you like Jesus, yeah. and we want to care for you. And we want you to be not just to care for you in a down kind of way. We we want to love you and make you a part of our family, yeah, and not as the redheaded stepchild for sure, but as a committed real person in our family that we love yeah. and walk with. Uh, Jeff Durbin's church out in uh, Phoenix, uh, no, it's a Tucson. It's 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 out there somewhere out west. Um, they had this really cool ministry in their church called in abortion and abortion now. I yeah. mean, and now they go to abortion clinics, share the gospel, like, you know, do these things. I mean, it's, it's pretty, you can get online and watch some of the stuff they do. One of the craziest things they do though, and it's really neat. They actually bring adoptive parents to these rallies that they do outside of abortion clinics. And they've actually conversated with women who are going into these abortion clinics and they're like, listen, we'll adopt this baby. And they've adopted 80 plus babies in wow. the front of an abortion clinic. That's crazy. Isn't that insane? Yeah, it's awesome. Like, I mean, it gives me chills, man. Like, like yeah. I mean, literally snatching a child from the jaws of death. Well, I think that's the kind of ministry, like, don't get me wrong. I think there's been a lot of people that have changed their mind walking into an abortion clinic where somebody's out there telling them, you don't do this. This is what you can do. We'll help you. We'll walk with you. Yeah. But I, I think that, they, that that's the way we need to be doing it. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 not, that, not that last bit I just described. We need to be, you can do that. That's fine. Yeah. But I'm saying the way we need to do it is caring for them and helping them see the alternatives and not just tell them about it, but walk them through from beginning to end of that process. Well, I mean, because what happened, what's happened in this is that they'll actually see these mothers, like these mothers who are going in here who are going in on their own personal choice. They've been manipulated. They feel ashamed of this child. They, they, they want to rid this child. And these parents are going, listen, we can't have children or we have children. We've adopted children before. We will walk with you through this. Yeah. And they start paying for that woman that the church yeah. pays for the pregnancy visits. The church yeah. walks them through these processes. And I'm like, that's gospel work. Yeah. Like, like and now Jeff Durbin, like I don't advocate for that, everything. That's he gospel says. social justice. Yeah. I mean, right like yeah. that's it man like yeah. that's like, that's the whole thing like i mean we, we sit here and say like you know we social justice warriors like a, a bad word yeah, in current sure. culture but man we should be social justice warriors for the scriptural definition of social yeah, justice sure. i mean literally snatching babies from the jaws of death yeah and so and and that should be our that's the call of the church man right we're yeah. supposed to be snatching people from the jaws of death yes i mean spiritually dead people who are on their way to eternal death what what a more beautiful picture of the gospel yeah you know, I mean, it's just insane. And so um, what are some ways that just, you know, really quick, practically speaking, that w- could we care for the affected like starting today? Well, like I said, first thing we got to do is create a, a community environment when people come to our community groups that um, they are able to hear people being real with their struggles and that they're accepted and loved. 
Uh, not that the room sounds like crickets could chirp and people are all freaked out when somebody mm-hmm. talks about a sin or a struggle. So that's, that's the first big thing, creating the environment for it. That's going to mean our people creating the environment by getting real and honest and being accountable and moving mm-hmm. forward. So that, that's the first part. Another way that we can be uh, come advocates for caring for those that are affected by this is um, to start reaching out into the community and finding out who are these people that we can do this with. So getting involved with the Pregnancy Crisis Center, talking with doctors, talking with healthcare professionals, finding out what's in our area that we can connect with people and offer hope. Mm-hmm. Even if it means going to a clinic somewhere or going to a doctor's office, people do this in hospitals even, not, not just clinics you have yeah. to go to for this, right? And saying, hey, I don't need to know everything, but I, I want to create, here's a package I want to create that I want to give to you to give to someone that makes this choice. So they, they have an abortion and they get this package from a, from a church that says, we love you and we're caring for you and we're praying for you. You don't have to walk through this alone. Yeah. You know, that sort of environmental thing we can do one step removed even is just another good option. There's just so many out there. Yeah. Um, that's just a few of the things we could do. Sounds great, man. Well, y'all, um, be sure to uh, continue to hit us up if you have any questions that you want us to cover on these after the sermon reviews on Monday po- on these Monday podcasts for ReChurch. Uh, we love doing it. We love talking about it after the fact, and uh, because it helps us to dive deeper into the sermon and maybe even cover some things that you know we may have missed or things that we couldn't you know dive into without the you know yeah and within sure, the confines of a service. Yeah, and make sure that yesterday so several people did, you know, messaged us because the uh, we lost the uh, live feed. Yeah, uh, we lost the internet. It seems like a lot of people had trouble yesterday, but we lost the internet, and uh, so we did record this the the last service of the three yesterday, and it is on audio availability on our website <laughs> and on iTunes. So check it out there for the rest of that, and uh, man, be praying for what you can do. What God? What has God prepared you to do? in order to help end abortion in our generation. Yep. Jesus loves little children, and so should we. Exactly. And, uh, and so, y'all, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of ReChurch Podcast. We'll see you again next Monday. Peace out, peeps.